And you want to know something really cool? The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. But for many of us, our past experiences, hurts, our pains, our struggles, our presuppositions have put a leash on that power. For some of us, it's a long leash. For others of us, it's a really short leash. For most of us, we put out just enough leash that we're comfortable with. Enough, enough leash that, that, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm allowing that power to express. But just enough that I can rein it in. When things get a little too funky, a little too creepy. There are all sorts of leashes. When I run around my neighborhood or, or, or cycle, I, I, I see different types of leashes that people use with their dogs. I'm sure you do as well. There's some people that have kind of like a standard nylon leash that you can get at any Petco, any PetSmart. You know, you, the, basically the only thing remarkable or unique about it is the color, right? That, that probably in Tallahassee, they, they sell a lot of garnet, not maroon, garnet, <laughs> garnet leashes, which is totally cool. And it, and, and it says something about, about the person. There's a dog in my neighborhood. I call him Q-Tip. <laughs> it's about this big, mostly pure, fur and uh, he's just this white little puffball and if you stuck a stick in him not that I would he would just look like a, a, a rather large q-tip and something about that people like dogs like that they like to have what I call the, the fishing reel leashes like they'll let their little q-tip dog out 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 but but as soon as it gets a little bit nippy or thinks it's too big of a big dog, they'll like set the hook, <laughs> hook up, and they'll you know, see this little you know dog you know, get ripped in. This this dog by my neighborhood tries to you know, like tear my legs off every time I I go by, and unfortunately they have the fishing reel uh, thing that'll lock them in. Probably my my favorite. My favorite kind of leash uh, is one that I don't see a lot around here uh, in Tallahassee, but you would see them where uh, my home in Redondo Beach in California. You see in California, there, there's a thing called the Strand. It's where the street meets the sand. The Strand. And uh, it's very prestigious and, and people who can't live by the strand, walk the strand all the time. And, it, and it's like the catwalk, you know? I'm too sexy for my shirt. Nobody's wearing shirts and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I would go, you know, all that good stuff, right? <laughs> and there's this one particular type of person I was always fascinated with. It was usually, you know, this 
you know, muscly guy, and and they would have a dog that looked like the wolves at the end of the Hunger Games, right? You know that that I'm, surely they're juicing up their their dogs as much as they're juicing themselves up, and you know, making their dogs lift weights, and and their leash was so unique, so amazing. Because a leash that they could get at PetSmart was not good enough for their dog. No, a leash at PetSmart would just snap. They needed to go to Home Depot. <laughs> and get an industrial sized chain. And they wanted to let you know at any moment that chain could just snap and he would rip your face off. You know, the interesting thing is that chains, no matter if they're just a nylon chain or a, you know, Q-tip fishing chain or, or a real hardy chain, they all do the same thing, right? They limit. They're meant to put a limit on the dog, but the truth is that I think the leash says more about the person holding the leash than it does about what it is leashing. And I think a lot of times in our presuppositions, our experiences, how we view the resurrection says more about us than it says about God and his power. In fact, uh, Pastor Dan told us several weeks ago, uh, said that the life that we are, you know, the systems in our life are perfectly designed for the life that we are experiencing. And I would morph that into the metaphor and say, your leash is perfectly designed to get the results that you are experiencing in your Christian faith. I had a dog when I was a young man. In fact, my beautiful wife, to be Shannon, got me this dog. Uh, I wasn't—I didn't even know I was getting this dog. She called me one day, and she's all like, "Hey, uh, come swing by your parents' house. I got a surprise for you." I'm like, "Yeah, it's at my parents' house. It's not going to be that great of a surprise." But, but you know, we went there, and, and I went there, and then sitting there in the driveway when I got there was this box. It was about yay big. We opened up the, 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 little, the little cage and, and this animal came out. And as soon as it got out, its fur went poof. <laughs> I was like, good Lord, did you leave that thing in the dryer too long? You know, what, what is going on here? And she's all like, that's your dog. I thought that was my dog. <laughs> my dog would need a chain from Home Depot. Not a puppy dog, you know what? <laughs> well, I grew to love that, that dog. He was an Australian Shepherd Chow mix. <laughs> and he was dumb as rocks. <laughs> I built this dog a beautiful dog house and he would just stand in the rain. I mean, there was, there was nearly, there was probably nothing redeeming about him. He wouldn't fetch my slippers or, or, or get a paper or, or anything like that. He would just be fluffy and cute. But he, he was so just uh, loving. 
You know, just that kind of animal that would come and just and just be with you and, and and love you for not the person you are, but the person that you believe you should be. One thing that I saw around town, walking around my neighborhood, that I was always jealous of were the people who would walk their dogs with no leash. You ever seen that? That's amazing. That is an amazing thing, and I was actually pretty jealous of that. I wanted a dog that I could go on a walk, and he would just follow along with me. And uh, unfortunately, my dog was the type of dog that, that you would take on a walk, and you would have to go to the hospital to get your shoulder put back into place after every time you took him out. So I had a great idea, actually, probably Shannon had a great idea. Why don't you take that dog to obedience school? Here, I signed you up. <laughs> so Gretzky and I went to obedience school, and, and I learned immediately that the obedience school was more for me than it was for Gretzky. Now, Gretzky really surprised me. Gretzky was a star student. He was that annoying person at the head of the class, you know, who always did his homework and, 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 and the teacher would always say, Fluffy, why can't you be more like Gretzky, right? He was amazing. We would go and we would walk and we would stop, and then you, I would go, and he wouldn't go, and you'd have to say heal, and he would come with you. We would walk through these obstacles, and, and he would be on the leash, and, and it was going great. And it was all leading up to the big final examination, graduation day, where you would walk through the, 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 the obstacle course with, with your dog without a leash on. And oh man, I was so excited. I've been wanting this. This is why we've gone there night after night. It's why we had done our homework. This was the time I was going to be one of those people that walked around with their dog who didn't need a leash. So the day came, and after all, you know, the dogs were going. It was finally Gretzky and my turn, and I walked up with a leash, and I'm like, sit, and he sat. And I took the leash off. He was just standing there. Gretzky, heel. And I took a step this way. And <laughs> he took off that way. And then people were running around and trying to get him. And finally, we wrestled that dog down. And two times through obedience school, he never got it. <laughs> Never walked the obstacle course. Him nor I never ever passed. And I was thinking about the resurrection. And the resurrection is really the story of God unleashed and people's attempts to put a leash on the power of God using their past experiences and presuppositions. There are different people throughout the story of the resurrection 
that approached it very differently. Much how we approach life. Much how we approach how our worldview unpacks. But the problem is the resurrection doesn't fit into anyone's worldview. The first two people to encounter the resurrection on Sunday morning was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like to be the other Mary for all of history? <laughs> Side note. I kind of view their leash as the fishing line kind of pink leash. That, that, that they went to the tomb not because they expected a risen Lord, but basically to mourn their dead friend. The person that they loved. But something happened that snapped their leash when they got there. When they went to visit the tomb, suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards that, that the religious rulers and the government had placed there, they shook with fear when they saw them, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, women, don't be afraid. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, see all the soldiers that did a dead faint? I'm conscious, you know, at least I'm doing pretty good here. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. At this, I could just hear their leash, like, just rolling out and getting to the end and snap. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And I got to read this next part, I think, with a sarcastic tone. I know you're not meant to give angels a sarcastic tone, but I think it works better. Here, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Sorry, I didn't do it with a sarcastic tone. Right there. Just as I said, what, or just as he said what happened. Like, duh, you know, he told you that this was going to happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened. I love Luke's account of the, of the resurrection here. He uses a Greek word, a medical uh, word. He was a doctor, Leros. And Leros means wacky tobacco. Like, they were like, their minds were blown. Their leashes had snapped that they were pushing a shopping cart. You know, they were, you know, bubbling. They just didn't know what to do with this. The women quickly ran from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the, uh, to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. 
Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Here the power of God is blowing away so many presuppositions of how things were meant to be in religion. They lived in a male-dominated culture, and here we have the biggest news ever. And this message was entrusted to two women. That God said, you know what? Out of all the people here on earth, I want the people who are going to announce my resurrection to my disciples to be you, Mary Magdalene, and you, the other Mary. <laughs> The next group of people were the religious rulers. And I think that their chain on God's power was more like the industrial home depot chain. The, the, the weight of the law. The, the, the strength, the reinforcement, the, the, just the, the view, the external view of, you know what? The law, we have a firm grip on who God is and you better abide by it. Now the problem is when you have that kind of grip on religion, when your whole self-worth and your whole being is based on how you perceive God and how you have figured out God to a certain formula. You'll do anything to chain it up and keep it the way that you believe it should be. But even this chain cannot contain the resurrection. <laughs> In verse 11, as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting of the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while they were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you will not get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Religion, tradition, presuppositions of worldviews can be Turn your leash into bondage. And religion cannot contain a resurrected Lord. Interesting enough, the final people in our story of the resurrection, they didn't use a fishing line type leash or the big chain leash that, that you know what their, their leash on Jesus their, their leash on the power of God was that more of pride of color 
of something that, that can become just kind of part of them. Like a nylon line will just kind of wrap around your hand and form just, just in the shape that it is. It's interesting, as the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But it's quite interesting, the next part of the sentence that's recorded. But some of them doubt. Even though Jesus was right there in front of them, even though the women had told them and they were like, well, I'll go check it out. Because he did say he was going to rise again. They got there and even with their eyes, their eyes could not believe what they were seeing. And they were asking themselves, how can this really be? The interesting thing is, that as the story progresses, as the, as the Holy Spirit comes and it busts their leash, that every single one of them ended up giving their life for the power of the resurrected Lord. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Guys, your leash cannot contain the power that I am going to give you. And therefore, I commission you to go and make disciples of all nations. To bring them and make and, and invite them to be followers of me, to be students of me. I want you to baptize them into the fellowship of believers so they can identify themselves with me. And that they, will, that they will also identify with my death and resurrection as they come up. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In his last assignment or commission, he says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. It sounds like a large task. But this word commands, this Greek word is used very sparingly. In fact, this Greek word is only used three times in the New Testament. And the, when Jesus used it, he's always referring to the command of love. And most famously, the most important commandment, when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? He, he said, Holistically love God, love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all your strength, and equally as important. How's that for a leash snapper? Equally as important of how you love God is how you love your neighbor. How you interact with the world. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is saying, you know what, it is time for my power to be unleashed through you and that you are going to bring the power to a lost and hurting world, the power of a loving and holy God. And then he ends with this. And be sure of this. And I love this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
I want to share one more story about Gretzky. Even though Gretzky and I were obedient school flunkies, the shame of our neighborhood and our family, I worked with him and worked with him. I inherited a gene from my mother called the persistence wears resistance gene. I will wear you down and I was going to wear this dog down. I was going to be one of those people who were walking the street without a leash dog and that dog was going to be by my side. Day in and day out after work I would take that dog. We would train and train and work. And finally I took him into a controlled environment. And God be my witness in that controlled environment, that dog was lockstep with me everywhere I went. And then finally I was convinced that I was one of those people. I was going to be the envy of the neighborhood. I would no longer be ashamed. Gretzky and I walked out to the sidewalk of my house. I leaned down and unleashed him as he sat there attentively with a halo on his head. <laughs> I took a step and said, Gretzky, heal. And that stupid mutt went the other way. <laughs> and he ran and ran. This was before I was a triathlete. I ran, you know, as far as I could, about a half a block before, you know, I was dead tired. And that dog just went. But I was smarter than him. I went back and got my truck. And I started to track him down, but he lost me. And I started to roam the neighborhood for the next several hours. And with every turn, I was more fearful that my best friend was dead. And I went on and on and on until I had no hope left. And I decided to go home and tell my wife that Gretzky was gone. And as I turned on to my street and coming up to my house and I turned into my driveway, I looked over to my porch. <laughs> that wretched beast was sitting there wagging his tail as if to say, where have you been? Perhaps Gretzky didn't need a leash after all. Perhaps I needed the leash. Perhaps I needed a leash because of my fear, my need for control, my capacity to trust. As long as I had that dog on the leash, I had those things, but I was missing the most important thing at all. And that's that I had a companion who loved me and would always be there for me and always come home.
I think as long as we keep our religion on a tight leash, that we will only ever experience what our leash will allow. But the truth is, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And over the next several weeks as we go through the New Testament and the early church and we look at Unleashed, my challenge is hopefully for us to unhook that leash, to unleash the power. And even though we do not know what God will do, and that's scary, we can be sure of one thing. Jesus will always be with us.